everybody, and welcome to the 58th episode of the Football Absurdity Podcast. The sultry tones you're hearing are Jeff Crisco. Today's date is December 13th, 2019. I am under the weather. I am in a better mood than I sound. Just don't feel so great. Uh, we had to cancel our Patreon episode this week. We appreciate the patience on that one. You can kind of hear why. I can I can barely talk in this one. So um, we'll go ahead and uh, get the stuff done off the top. Then we'll get Mike and Evan talking so I don't have to. Um, you can, uh, if you found us through Twitter or the website, you can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. Um, we're on all of them. And if we're not on one, send us a message to our uh, Twitter account at FBallAbsurdity. Or you can join our Discord, uh, tiny.cc slash absurdity, and um, let us know there. Uh, we have a Beer Sheets shirt. Uh, you can find the link to the Tee Public in the description. Also a Patreon. That gets you our Tuesday episode when uh, I, can actually, I can actually talk. And um, uh, that's our Thursday Night Football preview and our review of the uh, stuff that we talk about in this episode. Um, so... Um, that's, uh, the business right off the top. Um, everybody can hear how I'm doing, but, uh, Mike, how are you doing today? Um, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, I got some, some issues, family issues happening. Um, but other than that, I'm doing all right. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, um, Evan, how are you today? Great. Buy my book. By the book. You want to run some plugs? I've written a book published by Kaplan, Teaching with Comedy, in stores Tuesday. If you've got a gift you have to buy for a teacher and who doesn't, check that off your list real quickly. Go to Amazon and type in Teaching with Comedy by Evan Hoovler. What, what was the name of the book again? Teaching with Comedy. And it, it is... It's an instruction. It's it's a half me reviewing the humorous history of comedy and teaching, and half a Kaplan style workbook to show teachers how to use common Hollywood joke writing formulas to get a distracted class back on track. Yeah, and it is on Amazon Prime, right, Evan? So if you're short on time, yeah, you can get it. Yeah, you should be able to get it. Uh, plenty of time for the holidays. Mine is of mine. Co- my copies are supposed to arrive today, apparently, according to Amazon, which doesn't sound right if they're the street dates Tuesday. But hey, um, so uh, so. All right. We'll go ahead. We'll get started. We'll talk about the Thursday night football game last night uh, pretty briefly. Uh, calling it a game is pretty generous. It was a 42 to 21 drubbing and it wasn't even that close. Um, <clears throat> if you had Lamar Jackson. You're probably as happy as you could possibly be. 86 rushing yards, five touchdowns, 212 passing yards. Uh, Got benched in the fourth quarter for RG3 again. If he could just stop being benched, that'd be really great. Um, So, guys, next year, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback, won. Um, Hold out in fantasy. You get 1,000 rushing yards. Are you saying quarterback number one as in the first quarterback off the board? Yes. I I say yes. Probably in a lot of drafts, he will be the number one quarterback off the board. Would I choose him number one off the board? That's a flat out no way. Who's your quarterback one off the board? Uh, Russell Wilson, maybe. Um, You know, things, some changes and things like that, you know. 
and we'll you know we'll see what what happens but uh you know players quarterbacks get wide receivers off you know from free agency they they draft somebody you know things change so i think there's going to be some maneuverability but right now if i had to choose somebody i would definitely be russell wilson I cried because I had no shoes until I saw a man who faced Lamar Jackson in the fantasy playoffs. There you go. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> uh, Lamar Jackson's uh, number one hype man slash running back, Mark Ingram, had uh, 86 total yards, two touchdowns. Uh, if you were facing the uh, Ingram-Lamar Jackson stack, um, well, uh, fantasy baseball is right around the corner, I guess, because you are already started in an insurmountable hole. Um, Mark Andrews, 452. Lev Bell finally had a yardage game, 88 total yards. And Jamison Crowder, finally you get away from him, six for 90 and two touchdowns. Is there anything to talk about uh, about the other guys in this game? Do you guys think uh, anything you want to talk about? It was just exactly how we thought it would happen, a huge uh, drubbing. You know, uh, the one the one guy that stood out to me uh, uh, on the Jets – the receiver, and I can't think of his name offhand. He had a really good day, and it looked like Darnold was targeting quite a bit. And I don't know if he's just someone they just tried to started to plug into the offense, or if it was just one of those one hit wonder kind of games. But he looked he looked pretty impressive outside of uh, Jamison Crowder. Well, there was uh, Robbie Anderson, your standard guy, and then. A guy I thought was one person, but it was uh, actually there's a Jeff Smith as well. I thought all the targets were Vincent Smith, but um, there was Vincent Smith and then Jeff Smith combined for four for 52. Tricked me a little bit there. I thought they were the same guy when I was watching last night because I just saw the name. Oh, I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized it now. You said that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, boy. So. Oh, God, we're um, killing Jeff. Stop yeah. being so funny, Mike. There we go. I'm back. So, so um, yeah, I, I guess when two guys are, are actually, or one guy's actually two, and you think he's actually one, and he's putting he's up all, great stats, that's probably why. Cause he's yeah, at, and he's all, that's why he's all over the place. That's why yeah. he's in on every play. He's multiple players. Um, I'd never heard of this Jeff Smith guy before last night, so that's kind of why I was I was a little thrown off, I think. Oh, how have I never heard of him before? His career started last night. Okay. Um, so, um, all right. So I think that puts uh, Jets Ravens to bed. Um, unless you guys want to talk about Hollywood Brown at 45 and a touchdown. Uh, Seth Roberts, 66 and a touchdown. Anything else there you guys want to dissect? No. Uh, Mark Andrews, four for 52 and a touchdown. But um... Yeah, Mark Andrews is back. Yeah, After two point Buffalo trubbing in week 14. Yeah, and, and that was kind of predictable because the Buffalo defense is really good. So uh, next week uh, they got uh, at Cleveland. So we'll just keep that going um, if we if we can the, the just start start all Ravens start of the week. Ways. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, pick there him you up. Go. There you <laughs> go. All right, so we'll go ahead. We'll move on to um, this week's uh, games. And so if this is the first time you're joining us, first of all, it's I usually have a lot more energy, but I'm just uh, I'm saving myself. So uh, maybe give us another shot next week. Um, 
what we do is we take a look at the um, the the matchups and we say what we're looking for in the matchups. It's not necessarily a starter sit thing. It's it's what we're looking for uh, rolling forward. And then that's those are the questions that we answer um, in the um, podcast on Tuesday. So the first game on the docket is the widest or I'm sorry, the second widest spread of the week. Um, it's uh, New, New England at Cincinnati, 42-point over-under. New England are 10-point favorites. And um, uh, Mike wants to know, should we start Sony Michelle? Yeah, yeah, one of the reasons why Sony Michelle, I brought that up, is even though he's having a really down year compared to what last year, and we really don't know if he's actually any good because he played pretty well in the limited time he was last year played great in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. This year, not so much. But they are playing the Bengals, and the Bengals' run defense is just gross. Uh, they're like last in the league in yards uh, allowed per game. I mean, they're giving up almost 157 yards um, on the ground, uh, almost five yards per carry on the ground. So they hand it off the running back when. One carry, you're going to get five yards. Uh, 15 touchdowns allowed, which is 29th. So they're they're just gross. They're they're a horrible defense. Uh, but when you're looking at down the lineup um, in the roster, and you're looking at the uh, running back depth chart, the only one that kind of scares a defensive coordinator probably is is James White because I, I don't think anybody's afraid of Sonny Michelle this year because uh, he just hasn't done anything. Um, his stats, his stats numbers aren't too bad. Six, 653 carry uh, yards, six touchdowns on 189 carries. So those are pretty good. He, he's just not dynamic. He's not going to catch the ball. Um, everything is touchdown dependent for this guy. But again, as I said, we're, they're playing Cincinnati. So do you roll with him? And I mean, if, if you're looking at an RB2 situation, a flex uh, primarily, uh, I would go with him at a flex spot. Running back two, you're probably pushing it a little luck. But if I had to decide between Sony Michelle and Joe Mixon, uh, I'll roll with Joe, uh, Sony Michelle this week. I think he's a good RB two. Even uh, New England is pissed off after dropping two straight. They get a Cincinnati team that's third most in terms of fantasy points allowed to running backs. I think and New England's passing game. Eh, unreliable. I think they're going to ride Sonny Michelle. I agree he's not having a great season, but yeah, I think he's a strong start this week. Would you, if you were, had Mixon and Michelle, would you, I, I think you'd probably start uh, Michelle over Mixon. Oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. All right. In a heartbeat. Give me the person on the team that scores points. All right. Well, I mean, do they score points? Give me the person on the team that wants to run the ball a lot because they don't score a lot of points. Okay. I was going to say, the, uh, uh, we'll talk about that in a sec, but uh, let's talk about what you want. You want to know if this is a get-right game for the Pats, D. Okay, New England. Listen. Shut up and listen, New England. Five of your last six – sorry. Five of your six worst fantasy defensive performances happened in the last five weeks. We've all us owners hung on to you, though. You're 98% owned in Yahoo Leagues. We all hung on for this week at Cincinnati, who's top five in allowing defenses to score all over them in fantasy. 
So put it together. If they can't put together a double-digit game, I I don't know what I'm going to do because my next best choice on the waiver wire is Miami, who's playing Cincinnati next week. But if New England can't do it, then I can't trust Miami. I don't know what I'm going to do, New England, so just don't put me in that situation. That's what I'm watching for, to see if I need to reevaluate their auto-plug status in Week 16 against a Buffalo team that they scored 25 fantasy points on in Week 2. Okay. Well, we'll see if that's the get-right game. Um, my question was, uh, is the Patriots' offense toast? Over the last six games, they've scored um, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, one touchdown, one touchdown, two touchdowns, two touchdowns. That sounds a lot. If I if I just thrown those numbers out there, that sounds a lot like what maybe the Bengals' offense has been up to for the past six weeks. So we're sitting here. We have this idea of the Patriots as an offense that we want a piece of, that we want a part of. This offense has been toast for a month and a half. And, um, you know, I don't, when we say stuff like, oh, I want the, the, the part of the offense that's scoring touchdowns, you know, that's something we said. And that's not necessarily true. So I want to see if this Patriots offense struggles against a Cincy defense that Evan rightly called out last week as being better than uh, people people think. Hey, I walked back that team that scores a lot. Still was still was the first thought in your mind, which was my point, was that it's a that's the perception that we have of the Patriots. Of a team yeah, that scores uh, a let's lot. see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the first seven games, they topped 30 points. Oh, yeah. but that was also their defense. No, their def- I don't know. They've been bad. Okay. So, uh, next game up, Tampa Bay at Detroit. Um, 46 point over under Tampa Bay, three and a half point favorites. Um, Evan, you want to know, uh, oh, does, well, does, does everything surrounding Jameis make him a, a mediocre start? In our Discord, a lot of people are looking to the waiver wire who have Jameis. Jameis has a, a hurt thumb. He lost Mike Evans. I'm watching to make sure I'm starting him, and I'm watching to make sure He's all right uh, for possibly the uh, finals. He's top five in points scored for quarterbacks, people. Uh, he's got great receivers besides Mike Evans. He faces a Detroit secondary that's non-existent. Nothing on your waiver wire is going to be better than, than Winston, even, uh, 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 even a hurt Winston without Evans. So I'm watching just to make sure that, that that's true. See if I can plug and play in week 16. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. It says a lot about how little they trust Ryan Griffin that this man cracked his thumb and is playing this week. Um, uh, Mike, so you want to know about the running backs in this game, huh? Yeah, it's. It, I think it's interesting because it, on the Tampa Bay side, you have Ronald Jones and then Peyton Barber. And then on the Detroit side, you have uh, Scarborough. So if you look at Tampa Bay, Jones and Barber, obviously the great matchup is with Detroit. But the problem is, is we, we don't know what, what we're going to get from either one of them. Um, they could either cannibalize each other. One may give way to another. Um, if, uh, you know, Jones misses a blocking assignment or a blitz package, you know, he might be staying on the sideline. So we, we, there's really no 
one uh, running back. On top of that, neither one of these guys are getting a lot of carries. Uh, uh, oh, that's pretty much an identical split so far this season. 136 carries uh, for Jones, 133 to Barber. So they are getting a good 50-50 split there. But if you're looking at which player is, is doing the more with it, it's definitely Ronald Jones. But as I said, one mistake and, you know, it, he's off the field. And that's happened um, at least once that I know of. It's probably happened um, uh, a second time or a third time. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, there's just no reason to miss, you know, your, your quarterback when you're throwing 80% of the time anyways to get killed on the field. Now, with Scarborough, the, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have one of the worst passing defense in football, but their running defense is really good. I mean, they have that great defensive front with Vita Vey and Nadalkum and Sue. They just plug up the holes. So Scarborough might have some difficulty time getting, getting some yards. Uh, he's doing pretty good. Um, probably the best running back that Detroit Lions have had this year. He's carrying at a 4.1 yards per carry split. Uh, he's gotten 301 yards on 73 carries. He scored at least once. But as previously mentioned, like on all these uh, podcasts that I, whenever I talk about Scarborough, he won't catch the ball. He can't catch the ball. In fact, he's only been targeted four times, just four times since he started um, with his first game in Detroit. Uh, which I think he's now four games in. So uh, he, he's gotten like one target each game, but it really hasn't been like that. I think he's gotten three in one game and then one in the other. So he, there's two games where he hasn't even been targeted at all. Uh, so who do you go with? Um, I think right now Ronald Jones uh, might be the best uh, option for you. Uh, you just hope that he doesn't uh, miss a blitz package. Uh, Evan, what do you think about the three backs in this game? Blah. I guess. I mean, somebody's going to get the carries. So if you need a Hail Mary, yeah, put in the one you own. Hopefully you don't own all three. If uh, Scarborough's been limited all week, so i probably put him third. And then... Jones and Barber, I don't know if I'm in a touchdown-heavy league. Barber, if I'm in a yard-heavy league, Jones? Sure, but I won't like it. What if you're in a regular league? If I'm in a regular league, I just got to start Jones. He's done it the most times. Okay. All right. So there's there's your answer there. And so um, uh, my question in this one is um, uh, David Blau. Um, well, Mr. Blau tear up the worst secondary in the NFL. Um, he had a, a, a shockingly good game in, or good in air quotes. He had one good pass on busted coverage and week in his first start on Thanksgiving. Um, but 280 and two, it's nothing to sneeze at against Chicago. Then he had a predictably bad game last week. Uh, two interceptions, sacked five times, 205 yards passing and, a, and just one touchdown. But now he gets the Buccaneers. I kind of feel like this is the flexion game for Mr. Blau to see if he is a guy that teams are going to seek out to be a backup quarterback. To see if he's going to be the type of guy that if your starter's out in a pinch, you can plug him in there and um, 
he has the ability to beat up on bad teams. Not it just basically this will recti- this will balance the scale to see if uh, the first game was a fluke or not. So that's what I'm looking for with David Blau. So next game up is uh, Chicago at Green Bay. 40.5 over under. Green Bay four-point favorites. Uh, Mike, you want to talk about Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah. So, I mean, all year we, we've been trashing on Mitchell Trubisky, and rightfully so. But he, like a phoenix, he sort of has flown um, out, out of the depths of hell and has turned – I don't know. I don't want to say he's turned his season around because it's only been two games. But in those two games, he's been really good. Uh, I guess Detroit, Wait, did you mean a Phoenix or did you mean Meatloaf? Meatloaf. Meatloaf Phoenix. Oh. Two things that have flown out of hell. That's Joaquin's oh, brother. Oh, that out of hell. That's true. That's the uh, third. That's Joaquin and River's brother. Meatloaf Phoenix. Meatloaf Phoenix. I like that. Um, so uh, against Detroit, he 338 yards and three touchdowns. You know, Detroit, they're pretty bad defense. So, you know, but whenever you have a quarterback throw for three touchdowns and 338 yards, it's nothing to look away on. And then against Dallas, who's, you know, a much better defense, he put up four scores and 244 yards. So in the last two games, total 582 yards, seven total touchdowns. Now he has the Packers. Well, Packers are really good um, when not allowing uh, quarterbacks to get into the end zone. But they're sort of uh, a little below average. They're 21st when when we count yards. So I, I can really see Mitchell Trubisky getting a lot of yards against the Packers. Trouble is, is when it gets down to the end zone. And they're eighth. They're the eighth toughest defense when giving up points. So it's going to be really hard, especially for, for a guy who's known not to get the ball into the end zone. I, I, by the end of the game, I, I could see Trubisky throwing about 270 yards and get one touchdown. But I'd be very shocked if you see him with more than one touchdown this week. Wow, just one touchdown against the Packers, huh? Yeah. Okay, uh, Evan, what do you think about that? And then um, I guess that would roll into your question about trusting a wide receiver, too, on these teams. Yeah, if you missed the news, you can't start a Packers wide receiver, too. No one got over three points last week. Uh, even though that was a weak game for everyone in the Packers offense, except for Aaron Jones, you can't you can't be rolling with your fi- your semifinals with less than three points. Don't tempt yourself. Uh, also, Taylor Gabriel has been downgraded has not been has been downgraded to out. So start your Anthony Millers, everybody. He's had three straight double digit games. So that's that's what I'm taking from that. I'm making sure that Anthony Miller is still. Still a decent start with Taylor Gabriel out, and he's owned in a 25%. He's only owned in 25% of Yahoo leagues. What is going on, people? It's the semifinals. Yeah. Uh, what is yeah. Going on? Uh, I think what's going on is he has Mitch Trubisky throwing him the ball still. Uh, Trubisky's a phoenix rising from the ashes of hell. Phoenix. I mean, is he? He got his option picked up, <laughs> his fifth year picked up. So we'll see how that goes. 
Um, my curiosity in this one is how the Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones split plays out. Um, since Devonte Adams came back, it's, uh, the effectiveness, the splits have been not too shockingly different. Both have 14 targets and over the four games, uh, Aaron Jones is averaging three more carries per game, but, um, um, Jamal Williams is averaging, uh, just, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, Jamal Williams has no touchdowns and Aaron Jones is averaging uh, almost uh, 30 more rushing yards per game than Jamal Williams because he's doing a lot more with his marginal more amount of touches. So I want to see how this continues to play out because there is a point in the year one of the three of us asked, I don't remember who it was, and it was, can we start both Packers running backs? The answer at that time was yes. And now it's gotten to be the point where it's Aaron Jones or bust. And um, I want to see how this Jamal Williams things, uh, Jamal Williams thing uh, shakes out um, going into uh, your fantasy finals. Uh, Because the Packers um, in week 16, excuse me, they get, uh, they're at Minnesota. So um, if, if, um, 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 Jamal Williams starts to get more targets. That's something we might want to look at because they're vulnerable to pass catchers. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Jamal Williams might be a guy that you might have to gut check um, him off of your roster after this week. So um, for your finals. So, all right, next, we'll move on to the next one. Houston at Tennessee, 50.5 point over under Tennessee, three point favorites. Evan, talk about Ryan Tannehill. And while you're doing that, I'm going to cough my lung up. Okay. Ryan Tannehill is on the short list for waiver wire fantasy football MVP, having scored over 20 points in six of the last seven games and over 30 points in two of his last three games. And it's not going to slow down. He gets Houston's miserable secondary this week. New Orleans hole ridden, but somewhat good, but also has huge holes and easy to play around secondary in week 16. Uh, I can only think of a handful of people. Tell me if you can think of somebody, Mike, who's been on the waiver wire uh, uh, a lot in the first half of the season that's better than Ryan Tannehill. I can think of probably Raheem Mostert is going to be up there. And I remember you were an early advocate of Raheem Mostert. So nice job getting on that before the rest of America. Uh, uh, That's it. Am I missing someone? I I don't think so because, that. I mean, the way he's – I mean, we, we've all known Tannehill for the last, you know, how many years, five, six years with the Dolphins and just being miserable. And then so no one really gave a chance. And he didn't even start the season. Marcus Mariota was the start of the season. So if he can't even beat Marcus Mariota out of a job and so we're expecting anything from Tannehill, I think a lot of people didn't think so at all. And why should we? But he's yeah, he's definitely the number one uh, guy. Uh, midway through. Fun fact, his ownage in Yahoo Leagues just yesterday jumped from less than half owned to over two-thirds owned. Wow. So people are trusting him. Houston, you get Houston. They've given up the fifth most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. So uh, I'm I'm riding them in a few wheat leagues, and I'm hoping for good things. Yeah, As, no longer can you get him as a streamer. I mean, he, that, those days are over now. Uh, you could uh, half the leagues to get him this week. That was shocking. I guess he did have a down. No, yeah, he had a down week thirteen against your Colts, 
only getting 18 points. But, I mean, that's for, for a guy you picked up in the waiver wire, that's still a pretty good week. Yeah, wow. and he had two touchdowns that day, too. So it was just his yardage that he didn't really get much on. But, yeah, I mean, wow. every week he's been really, really good, except for that first week against the Denver Broncos. But the Broncos that time were pretty stifling defense. True. Uh, yeah, I put a special shout out to Ryan Tannehill in my streaming quarterbacks this week for graduating from the article. That's what I call it when a guy that I've had in the article for weeks and weeks finally escapes the threshold. He's graduated. He's a big boy now. He's a real fantasy football option. So congratulations to him for graduating from uh, my uh, article. So, Mike, let's talk about the big boy, the biggest boy, Derrick Henry. Yeah, this this dude, wow. I remember last year, Jeff, we were talking about how how bad he was and how he yeah. needed so many holes. And um, now, I don't know. Um, it looks like he's he's matured and doesn't need those kind of situations for him because in the last four games, 188 yards, 159 yards, 149 yards, and last week with 103 yards. So if you throw all those together, he's averaged 149 yards per game in the last four games. Uh, just wow. Um, now he's got the Texans, their, their defense, they're 18th against the run, but they really have just fallen down the, the staircase. So I think they were, uh, like 10th at one point in the beginning of the year, but then with injuries, JJ Watt, et cetera, they've just fallen down the staircase and now they're 18th. So at 18th, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's an average. No, they're worse than that. Uh, they're going to finish worse than that because they just don't have the players that they had in the beginning of the season. So with that said, I think Derek Henry is is going to hit the century mark once again. He should score at least once. They're pretty stingy with giving up uh, points on the ground, but I think Henry gets in. So there's really, like, no reason that you shouldn't put Derek Henry, not that there would be a reason, in your lineup. Yeah, I I mean he's a he's a, a top ten uh, guy even in I would say a non PPR or in, in PPR next year even though he doesn't really catch passes because his floor is just going to be absolutely massive. Uh, he'll be a running back one next year even even if uh, it's a a, a a a points per reception league. So <clears throat> uh, my question is uh, does uh, AJ Brown, which I put Alexander Jones Brown because there's no definition for what AJ mm-hmm. means in uh, pro football reference. Um, so he's been up and down and up and down. Um, and now he's got Houston. So last week against Oakland, um, which is a, um, a, uh, a top defense to play your, your wide receivers against, he turned in 153 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets. And a lot of that was yards after the catch. Um, this week he gets Houston. Um, which the uh, the Texans, um, they're sort of more, uh, uh, excuse me, sorry, told, I warned you guys I was sick. I, was, I held back a cough. They're a little more middle of the road against wide receivers, but I want to see if he can start putting some consistency together going into the 2020 season. Um, because let's be clear, if you start him this week, it's not, it's not something that you can feel good about. 
because I mean, you, uh, I can just run through his, his, his lines from the last, uh, we'll do the last five weeks, four for 81, one for 17, four for 35 and a score three for 45, five for 153 and two. So he's going between useless and, and, and sees and, uh, uh, weak winners for you. He's going back and forth and back and forth. And it's not even really a targets thing because um, he had uh, 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 at least four targets in all of these games. And he just like the 17 yard game, he only caught one of them. And uh, so I just want to see how Alexander Jones Brown, uh, if he can keep it rolling this week against what's a decent to marginal pass, pass defense against wide receivers. Um, next one up Denver at Kansas city. Um, one of the first instances of me getting my question sniped. Um, Mike wants to know, um, how good exactly is drew Locke? Yeah. Drew Locke, he, he's, he's a big dude. He's six, four comes in at about 228 pounds. Uh, so if you're looking at him and if you've seen him play, you'll probably think of Peyton Manning in a Bronco uniform. The biggest difference, of course, is that Locke has mobility where Manning had none. Uh, he's he's a Missouri kid, uh, so, you know, big, big bone. Now, he does play uh, the uh, the Chiefs, right? Yeah. Um, I wrote down the Broncos. That's the wrong team. <laughs> I don't I, I think things are going horribly wrong. If he has to play the Broncos this week. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know why I did that. But anyways, um, so scratch that. And let, let's look at what he's done. Uh, uh, last week, 22 of 27. Great, great day. Uh, 309 yards, three touchdowns, just one, one interception against Houston. But Houston's defense against the pass is a sieve. I mean, everybody goes off on Houston. And then, um, I mean, just to show you how bad Houston's defense is, it locked. Locke completed 16 of, of his first 19 passes for 235 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. So the dude already had three touchdowns before the first half even ended. Uh, overall, he has 443 yards passing, five touchdowns, two interceptions, and 30 yards on the ground in just these two games. So he's getting 15 yards on the ground on average, and he's getting you know pretty close to 220 yards and throwing a bunch of touchdowns, which is making Cortland Sutton a very happy person. Uh, going against the Chiefs, their defense is is pretty below average, so this should be another good game for Drew Locke. Uh, they, they, Chiefs allow about 248 yards in the air. They're about 13th. But really important is that they're 18th, um, just below average, and fantasy points allowed. So, if you're looking at a streaming option um, and, you know, he doesn't get a lot of fanfare because he's only played in two games. But if you're really looking to someone stream and say Manning's out or Fitzpatrick or whatever, Drew Locke could be the guy for you. Yeah, he's uh, he's um, he impressed me in the first couple games of his career. I was I was I was happy with it. I think last week I asked, you know, if he's a guy that we can look at in 2020. Um, so, well, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how he plays in Arrowhead 
because that's an environment that if Denver gets its way, he's going to have to deal with at least once a year for the next 15 years. That's what Denver's hoping. So I'm curious to see how he handles his first visit there. So Evan, speaking of Drew Locke, let's talk about Cortland Sutton, huh? Cortland Sutton's sudden inconsistency has frustrated me, and I assume fantasy owners everywhere. First, nine games of the, ten games of the season, he got six points one time, and every other time above nine points, and often in the teens. Then, two of the last three weeks, he's had under six points, including a 3.2 one-catch sneaker. Uh, and I'm trying to predict it, and at first I think I get it. At Houston, he had a pretty good secondary just committed to him, and he was a pretty good cornerback just committed to him, and he was uh, double-covered the whole time. And then at Buffalo, the other week game, it's Buffalo. They have a great defense. But then I go back to week 11, just one week before Buffalo, and he put 16 points on Minnesota, with I assume Xavier Rhodes covering him a lot. So I don't know what to do with this. He gets Kansas City this week, and I would think it would be an, an auto start, but Kansas City has actually given up the second fewest points to wide receivers this season. I'm I'm hovering over putting him on the bench, and I'm just shocked that it's come to this because he was so Mr. Consistent the first 11 weeks. So I think I'm benching him, and I'm watching him to make sure that he still gets looks because he gets a soft matchup against Detroit Week 16 should I make the finals. Uh, <clears throat> Which I will. All right, there you go. There's your... There's your intensity. I think his problem is with um, Drew Locke last week. His, I mean, his yards per reception was 6.8, whereas around the whole season he's been hovering around, uh, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 for the year. Because, like I said, he got – or I don't think I said, like I thought. Again, please bear with me. I'm sick. Uh, he had seven targets last week. So the targets were there. And uh, with, with in his second game with Drew Locke and in his first game, he had 74 and a touch. So um, I understand your reticence to bench or to start Cortland Sutton. But um, uh, uh, there might be some people in a pinch, say, for example, uh, wouldn't it be crazy if like Mike Evans, uh, Calvin Ridley and say, uh, shoot, I'll just pull a name out of the air. Uh, Marvin Jones all got hurt in one week, um, headed into the second round of the fantasy playoffs. Um, you know, somebody might be stuck starting Cortland Sutton. And to that, I say the man's had 12 targets in the last couple weeks. His average depth of target was a little off last week. So let's see, uh, you know, you, if you're desperate, you could do worse, especially in a PPR. If that's you, I would see if you're one of the 75% of leagues with Anthony Miller and roll him over Sutton. If not, yeah, you kind of got to go Sutton. I'm overthinking everything because in my big money league semifinal, I'm first of all, I've been to the semifinals for the last five years and not made the final in any of those years. So I want to win this year, and I'm number one seed, and I'm projected to score 116.36. Guess how much my opponent's projected to score? Well, if it's anything like you posted in the Discord in the middle of recording the podcast, it would say one sixteen point three. Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't find Notepad, so I'm like, I need to take a note somewhere. So I put it in the Discord so I could have that number because I knew I'd forget it. Uh, yeah, so I'm just overthinking it because we're tying down to the second decimal. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so um, next, or oh, sorry, my question. Time for my question. 
which is what's up with the Chiefs running back carousel, which is to say how the heck do they dice up the touches between Damian Williams, who looking like he, who is looking like he might be back this weekend, Spencer Ware, who outsnapped LaShawn McCoy and Darwin Thompson last week, Darwin Thompson, who is everybody's little magic man in the preseason, and LaShawn McCoy, who uh, Andy Reid brought in to fumble all over the place. How messy is this situation is going to be? How messy is this situation going to be? And um, is the Chiefs 2020 running back on the roster at this point? Because Darwin Thompson, if he's getting out-touched by or out-snapped by Spencer Ware rolling in off the street, that's a problem. His only opportunity he's gotten this year was uh, the Boston Scott special from last week, or Boston Scott from last week, where literally every other running back on the roster is too hurt to play and um so you you got to roll them out there so i'm wondering if the starting running back on the chiefs is even on this roster the starting running back for the 2020 chiefs is even on this team or is it david johnson we'll see how that goes all right next one up miami at the giants it's the old man bowl 46 and a half point over under giants three and a half point favorites Boys, before we get started, I have a question for you. What is the combined age of the starting quarterbacks in this game? <laughs> I would say 36. No, combined. No, combined. Yeah, man, I'm um, seven, 73. Uh, I'll say I'll do practice right strategy and say 74. The Combined age, if you do by years, is 75. If you do by days, is 76, because Eli Manning's birthday is in January. So these are two very old men playing in this one. Eli Manning is getting the start. Daniel Jones is still sidelined with the ankle injury. He is expected back next week. So Evan wants to know if Fantasy Football Twitter's favorite meme man, of the meme running back, Patrick Laird, if he's for real. You know, it seems bizarre in the week of our Lord 15 that we are considering the third or fourth string Miami running back as a viable start. But dude got 19 touches last week, including 15 carries. And they have a soft matchup against the New York Giants this week who have bottom half of the league in terms of points to running backs. And they get Cincinnati week 16. I'm am I'm in, in a lot of my real deep leagues where running backs thin. I'm picking up Laird, and I'm actually finding myself flexing him. And I've just I look at my hand afterwards as if it's betrayed me because what what is going on here, people? Miami going to take you through the playoffs somehow? The the worst team in pre preseason consensus. So I'm watching to make sure that this guy is for real because if he is, I'll be in the finals and I'll be facing he'll be facing Cincinnati. Ah. Uh. Man, I'm not confident in leaning on Patrick Laird. Um, like I said, he's kind of a, a meme running back. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about Patrick Laird? Yeah, I mean, I guess you if he's like the only guy, they have uh, Miles Gaskin, who's not really doing anything either. I, I, no one really done anything with that Dolphins backfield. So, um, you know, eh. last-ditch attempt, maybe, uh, even if you know those great, those are great matchups coming up. But when you're bad, you're bad. Yeah, 
I think that's the problem. Is is it's it's a uh, I I'm not digging behind. I uh, you know, hey, Kenyon Drake was the starter. Then Kalen Balage was the starter. Then didn't they go and try to? Then they went out and signed Zach Zenner after he got cut from the um, the Cardinals, I believe. They went out and got him. Let me Mark double check. Walton. Mark Walton. Um, yeah, Dolphins claim Zach Zenner off waivers. Uh, and so it's like, what, their fifth string running back they're on now? I am not looking to try to squeeze blood from that particular stone. I think I'm going to leave this team alone for now, even though Patrick Laird being low-owned and getting a lot of targets is an easy way for me to write a sleeper's piece. It's not something I'm super super comfortable actually doing. So, uh, Mike, let's talk about Saquon Barkley in this one. Yeah, Barkley, I don't know. I have not seen his game, so, but there's there's got to be something wrong with the dude, right? I mean, it's been... Uh, last the last time he ran for 100 yards was week two. Um, the closest he's came come to running uh, for 100 yards was 83. He did that last week against the Packers. Um, only twice since week two has he total total run and caught um, over 100 yards. So that's only twice since week two. Uh, so it's like okay, we can't even trust this guy to go over 100, but. We're, again, we're talking about a really bad defense in, in Miami. So, 30th in yards allowed, uh, 4.6 yards per carry. That's 24th. So they're really bad against the run. Um, do we? What do we do? And it's like, okay, well, obviously he was your what third pick, second pick, first pick off the board. Uh, and you can't bench him, but he's not doing anything. I. I that 83 against Packers was a good welcoming sign. I don't think you can bench him. You got to roll with him. But I really believe that against Miami, he's he's going to do well for for these owners that have just gotten crud points off from him for the season. Those owners that that keep playing with him, playing him, putting him in the lineup, he's going to do well for you guys this week. I I, I believe. Um, if not, then just you're probably out of the playoffs. So <laughs> just roll with them until, until you're out of the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, at least he's got the Dolphins. Yeah, at least he's got the Dolphins. That's your saving grace in your fantasy playoffs for a guy you probably took first or second overall. That sucks. Uh, my question this week it's something I've been grappling with. Uh, which one of these old dudes at quarterback uh, ends the week higher? Um, you got Eli Manning who made his first start last week and, um, since being benched. And, um, I watched this one on the plane. Um, so he actually looked pretty good in the first half. Um, he had a couple of long strikes, Darius Slayton. Um, like, uh, they were saying, Hey, you know what? We're out of this. Uh, we got to get Eli his, you know, get Eli some feel goods going into this. Cause you know, this is probably his last road game. And uh, you saw that after the game, the uh, the Eagles were all uh, giving him his his rightful props for, you know, whatever you want to say about Eli. I mean, the man's had a long career, uh, two 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 time Super Bowl champion, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's been a, a fixture of the league. So I think in his last home game, they're going to turn that that stuff up to 11 and um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that 
how that affects his performance, but I think he'll do pretty well, actually. Um, so I think he'll do well. And then you've got, of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's just been fun slinging all over the place. Uh, he had Ryan Fitzpatrick has the much lower floor, but he's got the higher ceiling, you know, um, he had, uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, he had zero touchdowns last week, three touchdowns the week before. Um, he's got the much higher floor or higher ceiling, lower floor, but I want to, something, just something this week tells me that Eli Manning's gonna, gonna, um, do pretty well. And um, I'm excited to see which one of these two old guys performs better. So um, we'll move on to the next one, which is Philly at Washington, 39 point over under. Philly, five point favorites. And Mike, let's talk Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys saw the game last week, but he, he was doing absolutely nothing up until the basically the end of the game and finally got the tight ends involved and probably killed a couple of people's playoff um, aspirations with that touchdown to um, Zach Ertz. But overall, Wentz has not been very good. We're probably uh, maybe 13, 14 as far as quarterbacks go. So he's, he's definitely not a quarterback one this year. Maybe never will be a quarterback one. Uh, I, you know, I, I have him right now as a quarterback two. The Redskins, although um, they're they're pretty tough against the pass when it comes to allowing yards, but they they just get crushed in allowing touchdowns. They they've allowed twenty three touchdowns this year, which is twenty second in the NFL. Um, but we're looking at a lineup with Carson Wentz, and and we we know that Ertz and Goder are are their key. They're they're their spark plugs in, in the passing offense and the Redskins are absolutely horrible um, against tight ends. They're 26 overall. So this is really good for Ertz and Goder on owners, but when that's all you have, I mean, at whiteout, the, the Eagles have our Sega Whiteside, Greg Ward, Robert Davis. I mean, none of these names, I mean, our Sega Whiteside, he might have a great future, but right now he's not doing anything. And Warden Davis, I mean, who who are these dudes, right? Uh, so it, it's they really don't have anything else to throw to other than Ertz and Goddard. So it's going to come down to can how how well can these tight ends and Wentz exploit the Redskins' weaknesses, um, allowing points and to especially to the tight ends. I, I'm not I'm not really excited about about. Um, about Carson's Wentz matchup. I mean, obviously the Redskins are a great matchup, but again, I'd rather go with someone like Fitzpatrick or Eli Manning or one of those guys if you're in a streaming option at quarterback. I I wouldn't just jump in on Wentz because it's a great matchup against the Redskins because I, I, I don't see him doing what you think he should do because there's no really wide receivers and they're going to have to get to the tight ends like all the time. So yeah, I'd rather go with Fitzpatrick or Manning if, if you're streaming. Or not. Yeah. Manning. Really? Nice. Yeah. One more game, one game of fantasy relevance before he goes out. Yeah, yeah. There's also, there's also the problem with Wentz, which is, uh, are we sure that he's, um, good anymore 
he got that knee injury and he he hasn't quite been the same or whatever that injury was that that kept him out and he hasn't quite been the same since then so that's something we don't want to talk about we're not sure if Carson Wentz is actually uh as good as we thought he would be anymore so Evan a guy that still is good as we thought he would be and even better than we thought he would be at this age uh you want to know about if uh, Adrian Peterson is a must start this week yeah I I I am watching to see how he does against an actually good defense. Sure, he scored double-digit points in his last two games, but they were against a Carolina def- a Carolina team that's utterly given up and a Green Bay uh, defense that's bottom five against stopping the run. Uh, Philadelphia is top ten in fewest funny fancy points to running backs, so I'm seeing a lot of people just automatically slot him in as RB2. I'm holding him off as just low-end flex consideration. I mean, heck, Yahoo, who I go toe-to-toe week with, with every week in my article and, and beat them, they have him ranked 35th among running backs this week, and I agree. I think he's a low-end flex consideration. Hold off on your Adrian Petersons. I know you have another running back because you couldn't lean on Adrian Peterson all year. You had to develop something if you're in the semifinals. Hold off on him this week. Rest him, just kidding, but wait for week 16 against the Giants' woeful defense. That's when you want to start him. Sure, you can flex him if you're desperate. That's not the worst flex, but I don't think he's going to put up top 24 numbers at all. Yeah, I I, there's, I could probably think of – I wouldn't say off the top of my head because this would be uh, – I could probably think of 30 running backs I'd rather start than Adrian Peterson. I'd rather start Kareem Hunt. Uh, who's a, a part-timer than AP in this matchup. I'd rather start Patrick Laird, who I hummed and hawed about telling you to not even bother rostering, basically, than Adrian Peterson in this matchup. So if you're considering it, find another person to start. Um, my question, and it's something I've been waiting on, is will this uh, passing game put anything on, on, on t- game tape, anything positive, I mean, it's a disaster from top to bottom, from the offensive lines to the pass catchers, quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends. Everything about this Washington offense, or def- yeah, this Washington offense is a mess, just an absolute mess. And I'm wondering if this passing game, in 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 particular, can um, put something um, on the on on tape. And uh, the reason I'm wondering if that's going to be this game is that. Uh, they do allow a good amount of production to wide receivers um, on the year. They've given up the fourth most wide receiver touchdowns. They've given up uh, uh, their middle in the pack of receptions, but they're in the top 10 in uh, yardage allowed. So if the, Hey, my throat's clearing up <laughs> as I'm talking. Um, That's the healing power of the football absurdity podcast. No, it's not. Cause now I'm going to hack my lung out. Uh, but, um, uh, that was short lived. Um, but what I was saying was if they're going to put some good tape on, it's going to be this game. It's going to be, this is the game where they, they put some good tape on. So I need to see him to do it or, uh, there's going to be a lot of problems, um, in, uh, going forward there in Washington. So next game up, it's the last 10 AM game on the docket, but it doesn't mean we're that far through the thing. Cause there are a buttload of one o'clock games this week. NFL probably did it that way because the uh, playoff matchups are starting to heat up. So they didn't want to make a game gets buried. Like for example, the game of the season getting buried at 10 AM yesterday or last week, um, you know, no, nothing like that happening this week. 
Uh, Seattle, Carolina, 48 and a half point over under. Seattle, six and a half point favorites. And Evan wants to know what the odds are that Carolina brings a B game. Are we talking, is it like a, like a board game or like a B word game? Uh, not their A game. Oh, uh, I've been heard. I heard. I've been hearing even speculation on the radio that the players are revolting because they like Ron Rivera. Now I don't put any weight behind that, but it's definitely true that they've been limping along in their five-game losing streak here. Uh, come on, people! We've got more in the fantasy playoffs. We've got Christian McCaffrey in the fantasy playoffs. I need you to try harder, Carolina, to stay in the game. Now, McCaffrey will probably stay elite because the dude the dude caught 11 passes last week. What the heck is that? That's awesome. But I want to know, is Carolina just giving up? Is this, is this, as a team, is this somebody who next week if I'm in the finals, I'm going to think about not starting, uh, or not, of course, McCaffrey. That's crazy. But uh, not starting DJ Moore. Uh... No, that's crazy. That's You're crazy. overthinking it. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy. You're completely overthinking it. Like I but, can't even I can't even put into words how overthinking it. It's, <laughs> it's a fortunate thing that Carolina either has every week fancy starters or every week fancy. Please don't start them. There's nobody like in the middle. You know, maybe Curtis Samuel comes closest to that, but he's you, you have replacement level stuff for him uh, for sure. So all right. I'm off the ledge. Right. Carolina, Carolina doesn't have to try for their players, the good players, their studs to keep going. If the 2019 Carolina Panthers revolt and nobody notices, do they really make a sound? Um, Mike, you want, you're worried about Tyler Lockett and a question that we probably should have asked weeks ago. Yeah, he's ever since that that weird injury that that took place um, in San Francisco, where uh, at one point could have been like his his leg being um, amputated uh, because of certain uh, ways that it was injured and stuff like that. Luckily, none of that happened. So uh, he missed the next game and then it's been on the field since. But since he's returned uh, against one of the worst defenses um, bottom bottom ten defenses, the Eagles. Uh, he caught one pass for thirty eight yards. Then against a really good defense in Minnesota, he goose egged it. Uh, then Rams, he, he he picked up a little bit. Uh, four catches for forty three yards. On toll in the three games since he's been back, uh, five catches, eighty one yards. Uh, how bad is that? Uh, he's had five games catching five or more passes this year. He's had three games going over 81 yards this year. So five for 81 in three games. He's been doing that in single games. Uh, Panthers um, are uh, are below uh, average in giving up uh, wide receiver. They're 17th, 20th in fantasy points allowed to the to that position. You know, uh, Pete Carroll came out and he said that uh, Lockett is really back. Um, informed this week, according to Adam Jude of the Seattle Times, Carol went on to say that he was pretty good last week and he's going into this week raring to go. What that means, who knows? Carol's one of those optimistic, always glass full when it's half empty kind of guy. Um, and so we'll see. But uh, he's at, he has a good matchup um, against the Seahawks. 
We'll see if he's really back or not. I just wouldn't trust it in your playoffs. All right. All right, then. So uh, I am not super confident in Tyler Lockett, but we'll see how that goes. And uh, my question is about Ian Thomas. So Ian Thomas was a guy. Ian Thomas was a guy that I was in on before the year. And uh, I said, yeah, all he needs is Greg Olson to get hurt. And uh, I got in a few arguments about it uh, because uh, recently, because I called him a, uh, I agreed with somebody that he was an extreme buy low in dynasty because he's essentially free because he's gotten like 15 snaps all year. That's an exaggeration, but he's gotten less than a hundred and they called me stupid and said, let's revisit this in two years. Well, buddy, let's revisit this in two weeks. Because last week he had 10 targets, five catches, 57 yards, and a score. This week he gets a Seattle team that every single day, I can feel my throat getting better, feels, uh, thanks their lucky stars that the Arizona Cardinals exist. Because if not, they would be the team that everybody is targeting because the Seahawks have allowed the most fancy points to tight ends over the last month. And they're second in the league in tight end scoring all season long by over half a point over the third place team. So if it weren't for the Cardinals, they would be the team that everybody is targeting. So that's who he gets this week. I don't think Greg Olson is back from his concussion, especially if, like Evan said, the team's revolting. Um, So we'll see how that's going. Uh, Obviously, if Greg Olson's back, this whole point is moot. But if it's Ian Thomas, then uh, I would love to see how much he rocks and rolls this weekend um, against a dreadful against tight ends um, Seattle defense. All right. So the first uh, afternoon game of the week, Jacksonville at Oakland, the last game at the Coliseum, 46 point over under Oakland, six and a half point favorites. And Mike wants to know what kind of day we're looking at for Josh Jacobs. And um, while you're doing that, I'm going to search for up to the second information on Jacobs because it seems to change every 20 minutes. And it does. Yeah. So the last thing I I read was it looks like he's going to play. So this all might be mute, but um, or not going to. It looks like he might not play, but whatever. Um, So. And this is an important matchup, too, because the Jaguars suck. They're they, they like the worst defense against the run. Uh, I mean, completely. They, they give constantly, constantly. If you look at if their schedule and just click on the box score, you're going to see them giving up 150 yards, 200 yards to running backs. Uh, and so with Jacob's skill, this is easy 100-yard game for him uh, if he plays. So I, I don't I can't remember who the back is Dion I think it's what DeAndre Richardson or something that DeAndre was. Washington Washington number one yeah. waiver wire ad and now we we don't know what to do with him and it's a late start game so you can't even wait for the injury report he would have been the, the number one ad if people had listened to me last week I was telling people Mostert over Washington so deal with yeah. that nerds actually I would have probably agreed with him but either way. The both are great ads. Um, and so if DeAndre Washington is the starter, you're going to want to get him in. But with Jacobs, you definitely want to get him in. Either one of those guys who starts. So have your ear glued to the radio because this is probably not going to, you're probably not going to know until up to game time moment. Um, and yeah, so 
the, the Jaguars also allowed 19 touchdowns over the season. And so this is this is a great game. Um, Jacobs or Washington should easily go over 100 yards um, and at least score once. So whoever that back is, have them in your roster ready to go. Um, but unfortunately, we just don't won't know until probably kickoff. Yeah, that's the hard part is uh, waiting till 1 p.m. But luckily, um, if you had Jacobs, you ended up with Washington, so you have that that uh, pivot that you can make. You don't have to worry about starting a 10 a.m. guy. Um, double lucky is that uh, so many games got moved to the 1 p.m. slot, so you have a lot of alternatives. So I wouldn't uh, shy away from starting Josh Jacobs because, as Mike said, if he's starting, he's going to go crazy. So a guy that's been driving us crazy is uh, 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 Gardner Minshew since, since he's been back. And uh, Evan wants to know if we should be starting the guy who should be his wide receiver one this week, D.D. Westbrook. Or will he be D.D. Mega Doodoo, as we called him? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people slot him in after he had two double-digit games in a row because uh, he's playing a mediocre Oakland secondary. But this is a man, people, who's had five straight games under 70 yards. This is a guy who needs a touchdown to do any significant fantasy production. I'm looking elsewhere at wide receiver than him. I guess I'll put him in if I don't have a guy that I predict to be in the top 30. That's about where I put him. But don't auto think before you start, people. Don't drink and start. So Nailed it. That, that so your answer is no we don't start Westbrook I'm not starting him unless I'm desperate and I'm watching to see if Minshew leans on him if Minshew leans on him I'll start him in the finals no problem okay and so my question was uh can we get some of this Gardner Minshew momentum the Minshew mania we had at the beginning of the season are we going to get any of that back um since he's been back <clears throat> he's just been blah he came in in relief, uh, 147 and one, and it's not like he didn't have enough time to do something with it. He had 27 pass attempts. Then last week, uh, 162 and one on 37 pass attempts. He's gotten sacked eight times in the last two games. Just, I want to see something from Gardner Minshew because if I don't see something big, Gardner Minshew maybe in this one. I'm going the opposite of Evan. I don't care what D.D. Westbrook does this week. I want to know what Gardner Minshew does this week, and that will tell me if I'm have, if I'm leaning on D.D. Westbrook next week. Because if Gardner Minshew can't get this thing going, even if he does lean on D.D. to try to get it going, I'm not. That's not a situation I'm starting in my fantasy finals. Um, you know, it's like uh, uh, trying to gamble which uh, which pool on the old lawnmower is the one that starts it. And to have your whole fantasy season on that bet, I'm not really uh, 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 eager to put myself in that situation. Is, so, is, uh, and I probably missed it, or you guys know better than I do. But why was why was such a quick change with Nick Foles and and um, and Gardner Minshew? Well, after naming after benching Minshew, and then what was it like a game and a half later they they bench uh, Foles for Minshew again? It was, well, he had weeks 11 and 12. And um, and then in week 13, he had three turnovers in his first three drives against the worst uh, secondary in football, the Buccaneers. 
So they pulled they pulled him. They pulled Nick Foles. And they said, uh, okay, they basically said this experiment's over. I started him that week in Daily Fantasy. Got myself negative two points. Everybody started him that week in Daily Fantasy. He was one of the hot guys uh, to start that week. So a lot of people are got screwed alongside you, Evan. Oh, yeah. Easily. Uh, yeah. So, all right, next one. Cleveland at Arizona, 49 point over under. Cleveland, two and a half point favorites. And Evan wants to know why the over under for this game isn't like 60 points. Yeah, last time I checked, neither team was really good on defense, and they have offensive that can move the ball. I think this is going to be a shootout, and I think there might be more into starting some of the uh, some of the B-listers uh, uh, than, than there may be. Uh, let me just look up here and see who's not owned. We'll finish it up. But Definitely start your OBJs if you weren't. Are people benching their OBJs lately? I ben- I would bench my OBJ. I, I he's done nothing. Would start him against a bottom five Arizona defense. So I'm watching to see if this is a barn burner, which means I can predict barn burners, which means I can make good starts when I predict a barn burner. That's what I'm doing here. I mean, I. I don't have the same sort of faith that you do in these offenses. I mean, hold on. Um, Ev- or Mike, you want to weigh in on that question? Uh, what's that question? But, um, the Are these offenses going to smoke each other? Is this going to be a barn burner? Uh, probably not. <laughs> um, I mean, it should be, but... Browns, you just never know what you're going to get out of them. They, they're they either going to – it's either going to be that or it's not, which doesn't answer the question at all. But that's because that's how the Browns are. They're either going to be top of the line where everything is clicking and it's going and Baker Mayfield's passing for yards and touchdowns and Cardinals are doing what they do, or – it's Baker Mayfield for what he's been for most of the year and does nothing, and it doesn't matter who he's playing against. Hmm. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not super confident in in this one being a uh, a huge shootout, um, like Evan uh, sees. Just also because both offenses are so mistake prone. And there's no game more frustrating than a team a game where both teams have like 500 total yards and it ends up like 24 to 23 because both teams keep turning the ball over in the red zone to the other team. And that's the type of game that I could see happening because they teams don't have problems moving the ball, but they have problems executing. And so that's the only thing that and, – and they both teams just freaking love to turn the ball over – uh, who's it's, uh, Kyler Murray loves to get 30 yard sacks. And so it's one of those things where both teams have these fatal flaws that are going to stall out their offenses. So that's, that's my throwing, you know, wet blanket on, on Evan's, uh, Pollyanna, uh, predictions. So we'll see. Um, maybe the, it's, it's, uh, uh, a lot of yardage, and, and both teams clean it up, and everybody's happy, and Evan can go to Vegas and retire because he can predict the future. Hooray! Hooray! So, Mike, let's talk about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, something we actually had a bet about 
in the preseason and something I actually took a buttload of notes about in my review of last week. So um, I am ready to have this discussion with you, sir. Yeah. I have ev- I have every piece of data that you could want. That's good, because I might need some. Uh, okay. It, what, what's interesting is is what's happening with, with this ground game. Now, over the last three weeks, uh, Chubb has gone from 21 carries in 20 carries all the way up um, till last three weeks of the season uh, it's been typical for Chubb. Chubb every week has gotten around 20 carries. So he went from 21 carries to 16 carries to 15 carries. Um, but he has gone over 100 yards twice in, in those two, two of the three games in this court once. Uh, while Hunt um, has has gone from four carries in his first game till nine now. Now, it's not a big leap, but there's got to be some kind of reason why one running back in Chubb is losing, you know, inch-by-inch inch carries while the other is gaining inch-by-inch inch carries. The other interesting aspect about this is that Hunt has scored more touchdowns than Chubb, um, but it's gotten less carries uh, once you start inside the 20. So, for instance, Chubb has 11 carries inside the 20, four inside the 10, and one inside the five. Versus Hunt, only six. So you have 11 to six inside the 20. Four to two, Hunt has only two carries inside the 10. And one inside the five. And they both have one inside the five. Looks like Hunt is doing more with what he's given and is um, scoring the touchdowns where, where Chubb, even though he's getting more of the workload inside the 20, isn't producing producing those those touchdowns. But again, there's two touchdowns to one. So is that really a, a thing? Um, and you can't really say, okay, because there's not really much of a sample size there. Me personally, I am charting the game. Kareem Hunt lined up pretty much everywhere on the field, from running back to wide receiver, um, and they're, I think they're using him more as, as a passing component, where Nick Chubb is a running component, but then you can go back to the last three weeks and go, why is he losing carries to Hunt? So it's very confusing. Um, I don't think Hunt, I don't think Chubb is losing too many, too much ground, but He's obviously is losing ground to Kareem Hunt. Um, so <clears throat> the here's some wild things. Um, Nick Chubb has more touches per game. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, he has the basically the same amount of touches per game with Kareem Hunt as without him. Um, he is actually on pace to have only slightly fewer yards. Um, he's getting more red zone touches per game with Hunt, which is pretty wild. Um, it's only almost one. He's just, for whatever reason, less effective. And in the last couple weeks, I mean, let's be clear here. They were losing to Pittsburgh. Might have seen the writing on the wall and kind of shifted down on Chubb and shifted up on Hunt 
because Chubbs, I mean, like you said, he's getting all these carries, you know, before they downshifted on Chubb the last couple of weeks, he was on pace for 320 for over 360 touches, which is absolutely bonkers. So I think they realized that they they pushed their Ferrari as hard as it could go. And now they're pushing their Ferrari a little less and sometimes taking that Ford Focus out, which is, let's be clear, that Ford Focus in Cream Hunt is also a Ferrari. Um, but I couldn't say two Ferraris in this metaphor. Uh, they're taking their McLaren out instead. And, um, and, uh, uh, making sure that they don't blow the engine on their um, their Ferrari in, in, in Chubb. So I, I it's not a, a matter of um, – it's a matter of they pushed them so hard, I think, at the beginning of the season, and the season didn't go how they thought, and so I think they're downshifting on them a little bit because I think they see the writing on the wall as they're getting smacked by Pittsburgh about, um, you know, uh, how, the, how the rest of the season was going to go because um, – I mean, poor Nick Chubb already has 60 more carries than he had last year. So his his volume skyrocketed um, this season, an extra seven and a half carries per game. So I think it's it's load management. But at the same time, it's not something I'm concerned about because he's getting the red zone touches. He's just much less effective with them for whatever reason. He was on pace for 12 touchdowns without Hunt. He's on pace for three touchdowns with Hunt. So that's the main concern for fantasy owners. Um, but yeah, he's lining up out wide. Um, excuse me. He's lining up out wide, him being Hunt, whereas Chubb is the more traditional running back, which, you know, this is kind of what I said would happen. But at the same time, I'm not correct. Without Hunt, he was running back five. With Hunt, he's running back 10. So guess what? We were saying if we should take him like eighth or 15th. So, you know, running back eight or running back 15. So um, you're still starting Hunt. He's still a running back one. Uh, I think this is a lot of uh, uh, a concern over uh, minor quibbles, I believe. And if he'd scored touchdowns in these games, um, you know, we wouldn't be worried about it. So that was my da- my data dump. This this is a real life case of Ford versus Ferrari. There you go. Except both, like I said, both cars are are Ferraris. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, we'll go ahead and move on to Atlanta, San Francisco Niners trying to make it three or four and zero against the NFC South this year. Um, they say forty eight point over under. Niners are eleven point favorites. Uh, my question first is, Mike, are the Niners good now? They beat the Saints in week 14. I need this on record. Are the Niners good now? The Niners. They did, they did the thing you said they had to do. <laughs> they did. Uh, the Niners are the best team in the NFC. There you go. There you go. All right. This entire podcast has been a uh, scam to get Mike to say that. So thanks for <laughs> listening, everybody. No, Mike, uh, let's talk Tyler Higby having continued success. And pretty much right before we started recording, they did rule out Gerald Everett for this game. So that's not something we have to worry about. Right, exactly. Uh, and, you know, the Higby is, is playing well. I mean, he, he's, he's putting up numbers like wide receiver type numbers. Seven catches out of 11 targets, 
against the Seattle Seahawks for 116 yards. Uh, Cardinals, he caught seven of eight targets for 107 yards and one touchdown. So in the last two weeks, 14 receptions, 223 yards, and a touchdown. And now he has the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are 22nd against the position. So he is ripe for all those streamers out there, for tight end streamers. Get him in your lineup. Uh, I don't know what his ownership is, but it's probably not high. Uh, and the Rams, the Rams uh, offense consists of uh, going to the tight end position on 26% uh, of their offensive production is going to the tight ends. So they are using the tight ends quite a bit. Uh, and yeah, if he's out there, get him. Especially if, if you don't have one of the top tier names like Kelsey or Ertz or Kittle, um, any of those three guys, get Higby. Uh, he should have a great day against those Cowboys. Yeah, um, we'll see. Um, Higby's definitely come on, and uh, the the Rams have unbroken their uh, their offense. It seems. Um, so Evan, let's talk about those boys. Michael Gallup, what's going on there? We haven't heard from you in about six hours. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Gallup is facing a medium band defense that's been hot, but probably their number one cornerback is going to shadow Amari Cooper. So we're getting a lot of questions about starter sit Gallup in here. And since you all haven't been talking very much, I want to ask you uh, your opinion on some of these. I know a lot of our Discord users listen uh, and weigh in. And they'll reveal what the experts think. Would you start Michael Gallup over Darius Slayton? Mm. Michael no. Gallup or Darius Slayton? I go with Slayton on this one. I'm going to go Gallup. Yeah, we're about 50-50 on that one. So that makes sense. Would you start, if you are needing... To do an upset, you're a big underdog, swinging for the fences. Would you start Gallup or A.J. Brown? Gallup. Underdogs swing for the fences? I mean, yeah, who's got the Brown. higher ceiling? A.J. Brown's got 202 in him, and uh, but so does Michael Gallup. Uh, uh, I'm going to go... There's a reason why I picked these, and it wasn't because they were obvious. Like I was like, these are the ones that we've been ragging our brains out about. I'm going to go... AJ Brown because of the matchup and it being a division game and weird things happen in division games. So if you need to swing for the fences, I would go AJ Brown over Michael Gallup. Tyler Lockett or Michael Gallup? I'm sorry, did you say Tyler Lockett? Yeah. I said earlier, I'm not sure Tyler Lockett should be on your roster still. Okay, good. This was kind of 100% thing how about dk metcalf or tyler or or uh, gallup i don't want to play this game anymore um <laughs> let me one see. more dk metcalf or, or dk metcalf or who uh gallup i should have come up with the name like gallup or i would have to say in a p are you looking for a floor or a ceiling give me both floor i would go DK floor in a PPR, I would go DK ceiling. I would go Gallup just because since Lockett got hurt against the Niners, DK has been, I mean, the last couple games, he's been pretty solid. So um, that's that. And against Carolina a team that, you know, you mentioned earlier might be quitting. 
The Rams are on the uptick. Yeah, I'd go DK over Gallup, I think. Mike, what would you do? This is hard. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I go with DK um, over Gallup. Okay, last one. Devontae Parker plays. Him or Gallup? Oh, Parker. Okay. Yeah. yeah, okay, good. That was kind of universal. All right. So, yeah, I guess we're all kind of split about that. So if you want further explanation, hop into the Discord, and we'll lay out reasons, and you can pick the reasons you agree with the most. And the, and then you pick the ones so that you can't blame us. Yeah, I like that. I give a reason with everything. That way, you I might not be right, but at least you could agree my logic was right. You know, but yeah, Gallup is the one we've been having most trouble giving advice on. I'm not giving you an answer. I'm giving you a set of information. Whatever you decide to do with that answer or with that information is up to you. Yeah, like, right, that's my big. That's my segment about Michael Gallup. Okay, that's your segment on Michael Gallup. All right, and then so. Um, I want to know if Cooper Cup sees more than 29% of the snaps like he did last week, because that was really weird. Um, I don't know if that was a Seattle-specific thing, if it was an offense-specific thing. It would be really weird for them to have him on the field for that few snaps. Um, I want to see if they're kind of making this a uh, a different type of offense, because obviously it worked last week against Seattle. So um, we'll see what that does, because, I mean, they've turned around the offense, and um, Cooper Cup played uh, two out of his three lowest snap t- t- counts in the last um, the last two weeks. So I want to see uh, what's going on there, um, if they're, they're reformulating the offense and it's leaving uh, Cooper Cup on the outs, um, which would suck greatly because he's a good good player who might have suddenly fallen backwards into a bad situation um so i don't know why earlier i i went into niners uh falcons i'm really sorry everybody i uh like i said um I had half a message typed out to you. <laughs> the, any errors in this one? I we had a discussion of not. Jeff couldn't wait. Yet. The Niners are number one in the conference. Well, yeah, we had a discussion of the Niners. I'm very sick, and I've, I my throat is getting better as I talk, but my head is getting worse. So please bear with me. Niners, uh, Falcons, forty-eight point over under. Niners, eleven point favorites. Uh, Evan, let's talk about Julio. Uh, yeah, my question was, is Julio just a flex consideration? No, no, no. That was just to get your attention. We actually had that question in the Discord, and we were like, come on, dude, don't set your studs. But I am watching to uh, – he, he's a must-start in all leagues and all formats. But I am watching to see how bad that shoulder injury is. He's been limited for several weeks now for that shoulder injury. And so I want to see if it's affecting uh, his his movements, if it's affecting his uh, his mechanics and catching the ball if he's favoring one side or the other because uh, uh, I, I oof, that that would be sad if he starts to fade down the stretch. Yeah, and make me wonder about next year. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel like this is a lost season for Atlanta. Mike, what do you think? He's worked. He's also been worked really hard next to Larry Fitzgerald. He's number one in the league for most catches since he entered since. Most catches, career catches of anyone still in the league. Okay. Yeah, he's he's definitely a, a receiver that catches a lot of balls. Unfortunately, I think his his touchdowns last year were more of a an anomaly. I think he had nine last year, 
Um, and we're kind of seeing what he actually is this year, which is anywhere between two and four touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have a, a lot of – I mean, he's in the top ten, but like seventh or eighth. Okay. All right. And uh, so, uh, Mike, you were uh, you want to know which Niners the number one running back now? That's what you're looking for. Yeah, and it's <laughs> well, you probably can answer better. But in the last three games, Mostert has been pretty pretty much active. He's gone from 14 snaps to 42, and then dropped off a little bit last week to 40. Coleman, he's he's disappearing. He he's gone from 29. To, ele- to 10 to 11. Um, so he had that one more snap. Um, and then Brita, he got 12 snaps on his return. So it's too early to say what Brita's doing. Um, but, you know, 12 snaps. So yeah, we don't know if that's just because he's caught off the injury. And then they, they're just trying to, you know, let him get his feet back back under him. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just I'm just curious on, on if this is going to be Mostert's game what why isn't coleman getting more carries why why is he getting 10 and 11 in the last two weeks uh and is he being faded out in in one one thing before we go, um before we go to that um no go ahead and then i have one more thing about the 49ers um that i i found pretty interesting so jeff go ahead and tell me what's going on with the the 49ers running backs it's for me Mostert because tevin coleman is bad I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, he's been – Tevin Coleman played himself out of the, the role. It's Raheem Mostert. Matt Breida's too fragile to be the every down back. So it's, it's – Tevin Coleman has played himself out of the role. Here are um, – here, let me do this. Let me let me do this real quick. Hold on one sec. I was trying to you, – you threw an oop-de-doop at me because I was trying to uh, pull this up before you got to me. So um, – I over the my trivia if here you, here are the last the last uh uh two uh two games for the Niners uh um Tevin Coleman has had he had uh five carries and three carries so he had let's see no gain no gain two yards two yards negative three yards three yards and six yards so he had a six yard run in there but literally every other run in there was not great and they were all and the run on third down or i'm sorry the negative three yard run in there that was on third and one so that it was uh kind of uh was the death knell there for uh, mr coleman um and he's just been ineffective his last really good game was the one against the panthers which is like the worst rushing defense in the nfl and he's just he hasn't been good he hasn't been good um Matt Breida hasn't been able to um, stay on the field for a whole game, getting a full workload. Um, and, um, yeah, Coleman's just not good. He got wallpapered over when people started to worry about it because uh, he had a two-touchdown game against Green Bay. One of those touchdowns, the Niners literally started their their first play, their first possession was on first and goal at the two. So he got the ball. He got the ball about a yard and a half and then he got pushed the other half a yard into the end zone so um he just hasn't been good it's Raheem Mostert um and yeah um that 
might change. I doubt that changes. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said this week that Mostert has earned the right to be the starter. He's earned the right to get the snaps. He's earned the right to get the touches. So uh, Mostert might be a league winner. And Brita? Uh, He's too just, fragile. Too fragile? Okay. He's too fragile, um, and uh, they're working him back in, but even if they work him back in um, – before most or before Mostert took over for Coleman, it was Brita between the twenties, Coleman or Mostert in the red zones, or in the red zone singular. And um, even if they continue that split, I still want Mostert over Brita because of the touchdown opportunity. That's the reason why I wanted Coleman over Brita earlier in the year, because Brita's got to break off like an eighty-three yard touchdown run, like he did against the the Browns to to really get a lot of, uh, you know, to have a chance to score a touchdown. So, um, yeah, especially because that was, he had two touchdowns this season, both in that Cleveland game. <laughs> so one was an 83-yard run. So, um, so yeah, that tells you um, kind of a bit about their usage. Gotcha. So here, here's my little trivia that I found out. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo now has four consecutive games completing at least – 70% of his passes with a rating of 110 or higher. If he does it again this Sunday, he would tie Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson for the longest such streak of games in a season in NFL history. Yeah, he's been really good. That it and and that says a lot about the the era that we're in considering it's Mahomes and Wilson. But he's been really good since the Niners got Manny Sanders. And he's cleaned up. He's I mean, people the 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 thing that people forget about Jimmy Garoppolo because he's been around the league for so long is he has the same number of starts as Sam Darnold, so he's learning real life game situations as they go on. So he's been getting better and better, um, and uh, the addition of Manny Sanders has really put him over the top. So, yeah, it's a it's a good stat. I'm I'm happy with my quarterback. I wasn't earlier in the year because he was good for one boneheaded. Uh, interception per game, but that seems to have been gotten, or that seems to have been cleaned up. So, uh, and I should also preface that I, uh, Mr. Wagner from ESPN um, covers the 49ers, and he's the one that tweeted that out. So, that's where I got that from. Thank you. I'm going to retweet that. Is it Jordan Wagner? No, that's MLB. Uh, I, I can get you. It's Wagner. I can't remember, but um, I'll look it up for you. Okay. Sounds good. So, um, oh, I still have a question for this one. Uh, can Debo Samuel keep rolling? Uh, Debo Samuel uh, has, uh, uh, in, <clears throat> excuse me, he's had a touchdown or at least 70 yards in five straight games. Uh, Seattle, Arizona, he had big blow up games. Then Green Bay, Baltimore, he just kind of, uh, he had 50 yards in the score and 41 yards in the score. Then last week he had quote unquote only. Um, 76 yards on the ground, but he did kick in 33 yards rushing. So let's call that 100 all-purpose yards or um, a touchdown in five straight games. And I want to see how he keeps it rolling because in 2020, there's a chance that uh, if Manuel Sanders moves on, um, he could be a, a top 12 uh, wide receiver option for you by the time the 2020 season rolls around. So I want to see how he keeps doing that because he's an immensely talented player. And um, I think he will do well um, this week because um, I'm blanking on the name, 
but I believe it was in the Fantasy Footballers podcast. They said the guy that's likely to match up with Debo Samuel leads the league in yards after catch. And that's kind of Debo Samuel's MO. So I think he'll have another big game. I'm just curious to see uh, how he does it because um, he is a, a uh, has become a, a very dynamic player for the Niners. So, all right, last afternoon game, and this is good because I'm starting to lose my voice again. Minnesota at the Chargers, uh, 45 point over under. Minnesota, one and a half point favorites. And uh, Mike, why don't you talk about your question? Which one, which tight end should we go with? Uh, Rudolph or Henry? And Rudolph has been really good with, with Adam Thielen sort of being on the man, but. Now it looks like Adam Thielen may play. I, I don't know if they've, they've cleared him or not, but it seems like Kirk Cousins is using Rudolph like he would use Adam Thielen, giving him a lot of targets, getting the touchdowns, um, getting the sort of the yards as much as he can being a tight end. But if Adam Thielen is playing, then this really should be a game for, if you're going to pick one or the other, go with Henry. Uh, and... You know Henry is is he, he hasn't he hasn't really been what what we think he can be and um, a lot of that has to do with the injuries he's dealt with the last couple of years, but Rudolph when when Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs were in the lineup earlier in the year was vacant. I mean he he was catching one pass a game, so we know that Rudolph he he stepped up when Adam Thielen went down. And if Adam Thielen is playing, that means Rudolph is probably going to go back down again. I have Adam to go Thielen has uh, has been taken off the injury report. Okay, so there we go. I would definitely go Henry over over Rudolph now, um, even though Rudolph has been playing great uh, over the last I think four or five weeks, getting touchdowns and catches, but his role is going to be diminished down to nothing again. So go with Henry. Yeah, I I agree with that. That when uh, Thielen is around, then um, uh, Rudolph just you know he doesn't get to play in those reindeer games. Like I like yeah. that. that yeah, there you go, Evan. Let's talk about Eckler and Gordon. Eckler and Gordon have been a great duo. They've been scoring double digit points. Each of them has scored double-digit points in the last five games, and they were great before that. But now they get a Minnesota defense that's good especially against the run i'm pretty sure they're going to score double digits and i'm just excited to watch and learn how they do it all right that's it that's what i thought not much to add to that um i want to know about if mike williams touchdown regression continues um a couple weeks ago i i I said hey he's out at 778 yards no touchdowns um, everybody's scoring a touchdown about every 170 yards around the league. And so he's due and he scored a touchdown last week. Same with Bobby Woods. Um, so I want to see if he scores another one this week and, um, if he can get some good touchdown regression here at the end of the season, which is something we can kind of like pick at, uh, cause, um, you know, it all comes back around talented player getting lots of yards. They're going to score touchdowns. So that's what I'm looking for. So now we are done with the afternoon games. Time to talk night games. Buffalo at Pittsburgh, uh, 37 point over under. Uh, Pittsburgh, one and a half point favorites. And Evan, you want to look at the Steelers receiving core. 
Yeah, what's going on here? Can we? Is this at all predictable? James Washington, week 12 and 13, uh, had a great game. But then in week 14, Deontay Johnson had the great game after having two really bad games. And James Washington had just over five points. Is this... Are we, are we touching these guys? What's going on? They're widely available, but I... Is this just an aberration for Deontay? Juju's out again this week. He's been officially declared out. So I just, I'm watching to see if I need to head to the waiver wire for week 17 for James Washington or Deontay Johnson, or if I just need to save my clicks. Save your clicks. This is what happens in a bad offense is guys will pop up. I, you know, we, we spend time chasing these marginal players that pop up and, and uh, let me put it this way, Evan. Uh, name name a Steelers wide receiver. Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson has ten targets, nine catches, one hundred eighty yards, and two touchdowns this week. Are you starting him over a guy that got him to got you to your finals this week? No. There you go. Because you don't know. So. You know, I think it, it's it'll be good to learn and good to know. But in terms of our finals, I, I think you you answered your own question there at the end when you said, "Or should we save the clicks?" You know. Now, should I? Hide yeah, them? I can't handle. The, I guess if I'm swinging for the fences, I can maybe justify flexing them. But uh, yeah, anyone else, you can't handle that floor. That floor is that floor is not a floor. It's a trap door. Yeah, that floor is zero. That floor is Nick Foles. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, the, the floor there is, is nothing or next to nothing. because it's. I not would kill good... for a zero from Nick Foles. He lost me points. You yourself had more points than Nick Foles that week. Um, so, um, yeah, I would, I would say uh, watch it to see if you need to take a real big rip all the way, you know, swing from your heels, uh, uh, pull at the ball, then, yeah. Um, watch this to see, you know, who does it this week. But guess what? Who does it this week isn't necessarily who does it next week because that's just what happens in a in a bad offense. Is a guy can blow up and then not be heard from for three weeks. So, Mike, I heard a rumor that you really like Devin Singletary. You want to talk about him? So against the Ravens, um, he did he rushed uh, for eighty nine yards on eighteen carries. And they're they're the ninth um, against uh, the run. Uh, he also caught six balls for 29 additional yards. And against the Cowboys, they're the 15th ranked um, against the run. And he gained 63 yards on 14 carries, adding three catches for 38 yards and one touchdown. Then against the Broncos, the 12th team. So we got the ninth, 12th, and 15th defenses. 21 carries, 106 yards. And one reception. All in told, 53 carries, 258 yards, which equates to a 4.86 uh, yards per carry average. And 10, 10 receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown. All against um, no no higher than a 15th-ranked defense. So that was the toughest defense he faced was the Cowboys against the run, which is 15th. And he's put up um, a 4.86 yards per carry average. Biggest issue, of course, is that goose egg in the touchdown column. Uh, that that is something to be concerned about. Uh, they're just not getting getting him down there. Um, even even his carries are not very high. 
I think like one inside the five and just it, it, they're just not getting inside the five. So I think what's happening is that Josh Allen is getting touchdowns through the air at, you know, 15 yard line and, or running it in himself or doing whatever. Um, so against Pittsburgh now that they're facing they're the Steelers are seventh overall and they're, you know, that would be the toughest challenge uh, Devin Singletary will face this year. Then he has the, the Patriots, and we know how good the Patriots are next week, and then the Jets after that. So these three teams are, are the tops uh, when it comes to facing defenses and against the run. So I'm looking at this. Okay, um, even these are such tough defense. If he does, um, you know, pretty well. I mean, we're looking maybe if he's, 4.2 yards per carry, um, that kind of thing against these three teams, or if he's going to fall on his face. Either way, I think it's going to go a long way in how we adjust our rankings next year for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of at a make or break point because he has been. Uh, I, I, <clears throat> I agree. This is kind of a make or break point for uh, for Devin Singletary. So I, I, I like that one. I will. Uh, uh, I have nothing to add. Evan, you have anything to add to that? I'll take that. No. I was going to say, I'll take that as a no. So this one, I had a really bad, really hard time trying to figure out um, what to talk about with this one, because it's two really good defenses. The Steelers have been one of, if not the best defense in the NFL since getting Minka Fitzpatrick. And the Bills are one of the best pass defenses in the league. And as I thought about it, I was going position group by position group. All I could think about was how bad of a day Josh Allen is going to have with the protection behind his line. So I want to know if the Pittsburgh defense, how badly they're going to brutalize this this Bills offense and how many points, you know, basically how many points they're going to score and how they're going to do it. Because I have a feeling they're going to make Josh Allen have a very bad day this week. Um, this was one of the matchups that when people were, myself included, saying to get Josh Allen, were saying, hey, you got to get somebody else for the playoffs because those Steelers uh, look out. And so I want to see uh, what it looks like, you know, if it's uh, uh, just varied blitzes, if it's, um, you know, just rushing three, rushing four. Um, just I, I want to see how they make. Josh Allen's day very bad because I have no doubt in my mind they're going to make the Bills have a very bad day. So Monday Night Football, last game on our docket, Indianapolis at New Orleans. Uh, Mike, we softened them up for you. We got the we got the 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 Saints all tired. We took out Sheldon Rankins. We took out Marcus Davenport. So thank you. You're welcome. For we did our best. Forty six and a uh, forty six point over under Saints nine point favorites. Um, so in this one, um, Mike wants to know about Michael Thomas in his every single New Orleans game question. Yeah, exactly. So will he go over a hundred yards uh, against the Colts and, and continue his one game streak to make it two games? Absolutely. He's going to go over a hundred yards and probably catch a touchdown because Colts suck. And, you know, they, they like to give up. Uh, 10 point leads in middle of the third quarter or 17 point leads in the middle of the third quarter and end up losing the game because they think for some reason it's only a half 
um, that you need to really play football. <laughs> and the rest of the game, who cares? You know, that that never matters. So, yeah, who cares? It's Saints. Play them all. Um, play whoever you want to play. Play, uh, you know, uh, that guy or that guy or whatever guy that that's named. Because they're all going to destroy the Colts. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> all right. Mike with the real fatalist look uh, fade out on his own squad. So, uh, Evan, you want to know about one of the disappointing guys that up until last week had just been a touchdown problem. Then last week he killed so many people. Uh, Alvin Kamara. I'm wondering if Alvin Kamara owners even have to worry about a playoff run. Well, before last week he was, or including last week, he's 15th overall among running backs point scored. So I think some still are on there. And a lot of us don't have our playoff start until week 15. So now's your chance. Now's your last chance, Alvin Kamara, to save your season in fantasy by putting up a monster game that we know you have inside you. So I'm watching to see that happen. So next year, Alvin Kamara's back, and we draft him in the first round in fantasy, and everyone feels good, except for the people who lost week 14 because of him. Yeah, those, pe- those people, I don't know if they'll ever feel good about Alvin Kamara. And I believe he had, what, four points against that stifling Niners defense. Let's see. I have him. I have him. Well, they put up 46. So where were you, buddy? Not you particularly, Jeff, because you were sitting next to me at the game. But Kamara, where were you? That's what I'm wondering over there. Let's see here. Yeah, I have Kamara in a semifinal. Huh. There you go. Well, me, I guess. Best of luck. Okay. Um, so my question for this one, I briefly mentioned it. Uh, you know, Davenport, Rankins, both out. Depleted defensive line. The Saints linebacker core is just a mess. Um, I want to know, um, does Marlon Mack run roughshod over a depleted Saints defensive line, which could be their downfall in the playoffs this year? Um, and for them, things aren't getting much better. Indianapolis this week for them, guess who they play next week with a, with a banged up defensive line and, and banged up linebacking core. They play Derek CMC. Henry. Oof. Derrick Henry is going to kill those players on the Saints. I just want to see how much Marlon Mack runs roughshod as the um, Saints offensive line is pushing the defensive line off the ball. So that's what I'm looking for on this one. So, all right, that will do it for our preview of week 15, second to last week of the year. So that means it's time to move on to our DFS challenge, as it was me, Evan, and Waleed last week. Uh, we didn't really track that. Technically, it was illegal in the state of Louisiana for us to be making uh, DFS lineups for tracking and Did, betting. So Didn't you, Waleed, stay up late, like, making the perfect DFS lineup, wanting to submit it and be told that it was illegal? Uh, we were up late and we made the perfect lineup and then they told us it was illegal it's not like we were in the lab for like two hours we were just up late and we were we were were like oh oh my god oh my god oh my god this lineup's amazing and then it had benny snell in it so it was actually not good you can thank we'll for that one um so we'll go ahead we'll get into the dfs challenge um nothing's changed since last week um mike's got 27 points he's first overall evan's 24th I'm bringing up a respectable third in 21st. I have no shot at the title, I just realized. Um, So I'm just going to go record. At quarterback, I'm starting um, uh, uh, Darkwing Duck. At running back, no. 
I'm not going wrecker on this one. So we'll start with Mike. You weren't on the podcast last week. Let's hear your DFS lineup for this week. Alrighty. Uh, and at quarterback, we're going to go with Baker Mayfield, 7,700, playing that Arizona weak defense. Uh, Leonard Fournette, 7,700 against the Raiders. Philip Lindsay, running back, 6,400 against the Chiefs. Kenny Galladay, 7,900 against the Buccaneers. Emmanuel Sanders, 6,900. I, I did for a minute have that combination, but I chose to go with Makefield just to give me some room. But um, I did once have a 49er combination. Uh, yeah, buddy. Manny Sanders, 6,900 uh, against that Atlanta poor defense. Golden Tate, 6,300 against Miami. And at tight end, Tyler Higby, 5,700 against Dallas. Brashard Perryman, my flex, 6,400 against Detroit. And then at defense, I have the New England Patriots. So the one more time to go through this, quarterback, Baker Mayfield. At running back, Leonard Fournette and Philip Lindsay. Wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. Emmanuel Sanders, Colton Tate. Tight end, Tyler Higby. Flux, Bursard Perryman. And defense, the New England Patriots. All right. All right. So, all right, Evan, let's hear yours. All right. Hopefully this will be good. Uh, give me Ryan Tannehill for 7,600. I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard that train. Hook it up to my vein. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 8,500. Seems to be a popular guy on my list. Austin Eckler, 7,200. That seems under for a guy who's been double digits almost every week. Uh, for wide receivers, I think Cortland Sutton's going to turn it around this week. Uh, so I can, I'll take him for 7,000. Uh, I don't think there's anyone else to throw to in Detroit besides Kenny Galladay for 7,900. And... Give me DK Metcalf before they adjust the price. He's at 6300 Then, uh, tight I, I, I subscribe to Jeff's theory about Ian Thomas with Greg Olson out, so I'll take him for 5300 I got to take the Pats D against Cincinnati. Uh, I'm all in there for five grand. And I don't know. Give me Jacoby Myers for 5100 I didn't see a lot of uh, – maybe I missed it, but I didn't see any deep flexor. So, once again, quarterback – Tannehill, 7,600. Running back, Cook, 8,500. Running back, Eckler, 7,200. Wide receivers, Sutton, Galladay, and Metcalf for 7,000, 7,900, and 6,300. Ian Thomas at tight end for 5,300. The Pats defense for 5,000. And Jacoby Myers for 5,100. Give me the law firm. Part two. <laughs> part The law firm, part two. All righty. All righty, all righty, all righty, all righty. Are you guys all righty already to hear I'm me? All writing the ready for the writing ready. All yeah. right. So uh, at quarterback, I actually did not do this on purpose, but I put all my other. What I like to do is I put all my other guys in, and then I see what quarterback I can afford, and then I adjust accordingly. Well, I put all my guys in, and I can afford the no, the priciest quarterback on the board. Who do you think the priciest quarterback on the board is this week? Garoppolo. Handsome Jimmy G. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, wow. well, Atlanta's bad, no Lamar Jackson, Denver's good, so it's not going to be Patrick Mahomes, so I was like, I, he's been hot, I mean, he's always hot, but, you know, so I was like, alright, let's roll with Jimmy, um, I actually had more cash, so I went in and back in and upgraded a couple guys, then from there, Chris Carson at Carolina, best possible matchup he could have, no Rashad Penny, um, 7400 bucks, which is wild, Derek Henry, 
Um, Houston at Tennessee, 9,400. Debo, 6,500 bucks. Uh, Mike Williams, I'm banking on that touchdown regression, 62. Darius Slayton, 63 against Miami. Uh, Ian Thomas, baby, money where my mouth is, 5,300 bucks. If Ian Thomas or if Greg Olson plays, Mike's going to stroll to a number one finish this week because Evan and I will be short a tight end. Flex with no Calvin Ridley. With no Richard Sherman for the 49ers, with no D Ford, with no Jaquaski Tart, I'm going Russell Gage. I think the the Falcons are going to put more of a fight than people think. I think there's going to be some points scored, and I think Russell Gage is going to be part of that action. Then finally, Patriots DST against Cincy. Get right game. Five grand, I'll pay for that get right game. So again, that's Handsome James, Chris Carson, Derek Henry, Debo, Mike Williams, Darius Slayton, Ian Thomas, Russell Gage, and the Pats DST. So I'll do it. I'll do it this week for the week 15 episode of the Football Absurdity Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, For Mike, for Evan, I'm Jeff. Thanks, and you have a good one.